You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. To all you ladies out there, to all the women, I'm speaking to you tonight. I'm not going to wish you that happy day that many are marking. I'll explain why in a minute. But to the women out there in the audience, to the women in my life, know that we love you. Men love you. Whether you're a woman, a lady, a dame, or a broad. Yeah, I've said those words. Yes, I did. But I will not wish you a happy International Women's Day. There's many reasons for this, including the fact that it's kind of a made-up holiday. You know they actually get the day off some places? And I don't say it's a made-up holiday because it honors women. That's not a problem. As I said in a Facebook post earlier today, we should all honor the women in our lives. But International Women's Day is actually a socialist invention. First marked in 1908 by the American Socialist Party. That's right. The American Socialist Party. And then, from there, it was picked up by socialists around the world. And for most of the last century, from about 1908 until the 70s, it was only marked by socialists. Until the United Nations encouraged countries of the world to get involved, and mark International Women's Day. So that's one reason. I'm not a fan of made-up socialist holidays. Socialism's not good for women, it's not good for men, it's not good for anyone. Socialism, the, the government system that brought you one-child policies in places like China. Yes, socialism, communism, same thing. The system that brought you Forced abortions and girls being eradicated because, well, you could only have one child and therefore you went for the boy because it's more valuable. That's what some cultures think. So that's one reason not to mark International Women's Day. As I say, honor the women in your life always. But International Women's Day, there's another reason that I don't like it. And that is that it sends the wrong message to the young women in particular. It sends a message of victimization because all day I've been reading and hearing statements from politicians and people who are behind this movement, and some of them conservative, like opposition leader Ronna Ambrose, Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne. Their statements imply that women are held down by some kind of victimization, and that is not something that I want to teach my girls. I am raising two daughters to believe that they can do whatever they want. And the reality today is they can. The messages coming out of International Women's Day continue to be that women are held down. That was part of the message from Patty Haju. I think I'm saying her last name correctly. She is the minister for the status of women. She was at an event today and said that She was kept out of political life because she's a woman. The barriers that women face in all sectors of society are definitely more pronounced in the political realm. And this is something I've experienced firsthand. 
As a single mother who raised two boys, getting to the point where I could actually seek public office was not easy. Let's see. You can't seek public office because you're a woman. I disagree with that. Do you happen to know who the premier of the, country, uh, the province is in, here in Ontario? It's Kathleen Wynne. The premier of British Columbia, Christy Clark. The premier of Alberta, Rachel Notley. It was only a little while ago that half the premiers in the country were women. There were a couple of elections that changed that, but it will go back up. The leader of the opposition happens to be a woman, and unlike Justin Trudeau's cabinet, that was not done by a quota system. Justin Trudeau is, is happy to play platitudes on this issue. As I've said before, he appointed his cabinet to be half men and half women and then made, well, five of the 15 women junior cabinet ministers paid less than women or paid less than the men. He also was putting out platitudes today on the importance of women and marking International Women's Day by saying, hey, let's put some women on our money. Today, on International Women's Day, the Bank of Canada is taking the first step by launching public consultations to select an iconic Canadian woman to be featured on this new bill. So there's going to be a new bill. There will be a woman on it. That's not a bad thing. My only problem is that, given that Justin Trudeau will decide, it will be someone with just the right progressive views. But as I look to my right, there's a giant TV there, and Lisa Laflamme is on. There are three major television networks in Canada that host national newscasts. Of the three, two are hosted by women, Lisa Laflamme at CTV and Donna Friesen at Global. The two top people in news at CTV, outside of the people you see on air, happen to be women. Bell Media and the news department run by women, not just here at CFRA and not in this building, across Canada. Women don't need a day where they're told, you are held down, you are paid less, and that is because of men. Women need a day where they are told, you can do what you want. If you want to give a message to the young women of this country, it is that you can do whatever you want today. And look at what they are doing. The majority of medical school students in this country, the majority of medical school graduates in this country, are women. The majority of journalism graduates and students are women. We keep hearing that women don't make as much as men. Do you want to know what the, the starting salary in Ontario for a teacher is? $42,000 and change. Goes up to 94000 Oh, and by the way, 85% of elementary school teachers are women. I believe that it's north of 60%. It might even be north of 70% for high school teachers. And in a few years, even at the high school level, it will be incredibly, overwhelmingly women. Nursing is one of the best-paid occupations in the country. That is overwhelmingly women. We can go on. The civil service in this country. The majority of people in the civil service are women. You know what you get beyond a good, a good uh, paying job in the federal civil service? A very good pension. It's called 
delayed compensation or deferred compensation because you will have a pension that most in this country can only dream of. And the majority of people holding those positions are women. If you want to help the girls of the next generation, stop with the victimization mentality that comes out in too many of the messages associated with International Women's Day. But part of the reason for that victimization mentality and that victimization message goes with the fact that this started out as a socialist holiday. Because the left, to the left, everyone is always a victim. I want women to, I want the young girls of this country to look up to women that are in powerful positions, be they cabinet ministers in Justin Trudeau's cabinet, or Ronna Ambrose leading the, the federal conservatives, or Kathleen Wynne, or entrepreneurs across this country that have said, you know what, I can do this. My daughter was at a high-tech company today. I'll speak to her in a bit and see how the day went because she was out there pretty late enjoying and seeing what it was all about. She's 13 and looking forward to what comes after school, starting to think about that. She doesn't want to, but she knows she has to. And the message that I want her and her younger sister and all the girls out there to have is not that they're victims, is not that they're being held down. It's that they can do it. If they put their minds to it, they can do it. I don't know anyone in their right mind that pays women less than men for the same job. And to hear Smokey Thomas on the radio all the time claiming that this is actually happening when he knows that in a unionized environment it does not, well, that just does a disservice to everyone. So to the women out there, know that we love you. Know that we honor you. Know that we cherish you. Know that we notice your work. But give up on this holiday and just do it. Take the Nike approach. Forget the socialists. Go with Nike and just do it. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. We'll be back with headlines and the day's news after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. They're celebrating International Women's Day everywhere, but not here. If you've got thoughts on what I said earlier, you got thoughts on anything that I say here, email me at beyondthenews, beyondthenews at CFRA.com. It's easy. Not the news beyond, Brian, as my mother called it uh, on Facebook last night. Ah, uh, that's right, Ronnie. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, my mother's down in Florida, you know. She asked me about it on the phone and, and wanted people to listen. She is proud, but she got the name of the show wrong. Beyond, the News Beyond Brian, she called it. Well, I guess there's plenty of news beyond me. But you want to get in touch, it's beyondthenews at CFRA.com. I want to go over a couple of headlines that are floating around right now. Some of them we're going to be getting to later on in the show. Uh, we talked yesterday about the American media fawning all over Justin Trudeau ahead of his state visit. And... In about 10 minutes' time, we'll have on Mark Tapson. He's the uh, editor, uh, editor-in-chief? editor I work for the guy. I should know his name. Uh, truthrevolt.org is where he is the editor-in-chief. And he noticed something that I didn't about the Trudeau interview on CBS. 
And we'll get into that in a little bit. But Trudeau and his wife are generating an awful lot of interest. Katie Couric has done an interview with Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. And I'm hoping that she doesn't do what her husband did and stick her foot in it. I'm hoping that she just uses this as a chance to showcase Canada. I mean, that's what we have to hope. That's what we had to hope with with, with Justin. And he couldn't help himself. I picked up on one of those with his anti-American comments. Americans don't know enough. We'll get into uh, what the other one is with Mark Tapson from Truth Revolt in about 10 minutes' time. In just over an hour, we'll be speaking with Blaine Calkins. He's a conservative MP. He's been on the ethics file for the conservatives for the last little while. The liberals are not off to a great start. They were forced by the ethics commissioner to shut down a fundraiser late last year because they were essentially selling access to cabinet ministers. They were saying, if you donate enough, then we will get you in to have FaceTime with Dominic LeBlanc, they said, or the finance minister, Bill Morneau, or immigration minister, John McCallum. Um, you can't do that. You can't do that. Even though they're doing that at, at uh, Queen's Park with Kathleen Wynne and Bob Shirelli, and we'll get into that later, even though they're doing that there, you can't do that at the federal level. Well, Blaine Calkins and the Conservatives are pointing out that when Trudeau is going to Washington, he's actually getting into that a little bit. His state visit is being used by an Ottawa group called Canada 2020. Now, Canada 2020 is an organization made up, um, let's be blunt, liberal activists and liberal lobbyists. Well, they're going to Washington with Justin, and they're partnering with a group called the Center for American Progress. The Center for American Progress is headed up by a guy named John Podesta. Podesta is a longtime Clinton ally, very much on the, the far progressive, far left side of things. He has been an outspoken critical of what he calls the tar sands and says that the tar sands should be shut down, essentially meaning let's end a big chunk of Canada's oil industry. But they're doing a, a fundraiser together right now. You can uh, donate to the Liberal Party through emails that they're sending out and win a, a trip for two to Washington, D.C., and then you get to take part in these two exclusive events with Canada 2020 and the Center for American Progress. And this is getting a little bit odd. This is something that should not be happening at the federal level. I never heard of Stephen Harper uh, raffling off for the right donation amount the ability to go on a trip with them. It just didn't happen. Did he sometimes take supporters with him on trips? Yeah, and you look at the, the trip to Israel that he went on. Absolutely. Did he take business leaders with him to Washington? Absolutely. But this is donate now, win a trip with this other group, and it, it, it's getting too cozy. We'll get into that with Blaine Calkins later on in the show. Other news headlines that you need to know about. We discussed the, um, uh, the young man that was killed in Libya yesterday. His uh, father was the subject of a 2014 security report that indicated he was a cleric. Former Ottawa man. I don't know which mosque he preached at. If anyone happens to know that, beyond the news at CFRA.com, let me know, because I haven't heard that yet. 
But this young man, uh, Egwila is his last name, 21 years old, killed in Libya. Last night I read to you the comments from the Canadian Libyan uh, community group saying, no, no, he was not killed while fighting for the jihadis. He just happened to be in a building. His father has since come out with statements cited by, well, translated by the group Site Intelligence Group. It's a major international group that monitors the jihadist movements around the world. The father is calling on people to take up arms because of his son being killed. He encouraged people to join the jihad before. He is encouraging people to join now. All of this related back to the fact that this is a former University of Ottawa student, a former uh, imam here in Ottawa, who was taking part in all of this. We'll continue to follow that story over coming days. I'm sure there's going to be more. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. And if you do want to join that resistance on Facebook with me, it's facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. I posted a story earlier today about American politics, and some people said they're just going to stop following me because it was a story based on facts, based on documents about Donald Trump having to pay a $200,000 fine back in the 90s for... Well, every time it seems his best customer at his Atlantic City Casino came in, he would remove all of the black employees and car dealers and such, and he would remove all the females. All the women had to get out because this guy did not want to be served or dealt with by blacks or women. And apparently pointing that out makes me part of the establishment once an establishment guy, which, if you know me, not true. Mark Tapson is editor-in-chief of TruthRevolt.org. It's a place where I write about American politics on a daily basis almost, and he joins me now from, uh, is it Los Angeles, Mark? The L.A. area, yeah. The L.A. I'm area. In the, yeah, San Fernando Valley, just above L.A. So, strangely, though, I'm not calling you up to talk to you about American politics, which we could do all day, especially right mm-hmm. now, but about Canadian politics, because... I wrote about I wrote about this for The Rebel. I wrote about this for Truth Revolt. I talked about it on the radio about Trudeau's comments insulting Americans. But you noticed something else. First off, let me ask you about how you felt about the insult, that Americans don't know that much about the world. Did that tick you <laughs> off at all? Well, I suppose so. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a common complaint among the left, uh, even in the American left, that Americans generally are, are stupid and uninformed and very provincial and uh, that we need to, uh, you know, enlighten ourselves more like, say, European leftist elites, that kind of thing. So it's such a common complaint, and it stems from the left's kind of endemic anti-Americanism and, and a bit of smug smugness about their own uh, perceived intellectual superiority. It's It's so common that I can't say that it really outraged me. Uh, not it's, not it's the been, brightest thing to say as you're about to head to Washington, though. Yeah. I, <laughs> maybe maybe it would play well with John Podesta, who he's going to go hang out with. But <laughs> it, it might annoy the actual regular Americans that you're trying to ingratiate yourself with through this big 60 Minutes profile. 
One would think so, but you know the left the, the left doesn't really have a problem with um, with insulting Americans in in the flyover territory between the coasts. Um, the left doesn't, um, you know, they're, they're just not connected to the ordinary American, and so they um, they don't think tw- think twice about uh, stating these kinds of condescending positions. Uh, what you uh, your headline on this was uh, Canada's Trudeau being open and respectful would will diffuse Islamic uh, terrorism, and, and then you called him a unicorn. I want to play the clip for everyone <laughs> to hear. Uh, and then we'll get into why you um, referred to him, as, him and his comments as the Western left's unicorns and rainbow approach to national security. But right now, here's Justin Trudeau talking about the possibility of a terrorist attack by letting in so many Syrian refugees so quickly. Uh, question asked by Lara Logan at CBS. I am more than comfortable uh, that doing uh, what we've done, accepting in 25,000 Syrian refugees, uh, does right by both the safety of Canadians uh, and uh, by the values that define us as a nation. Would you be just as comfortable if there was a terrorist attack carried out by someone who came through as a refugee? Ultimately, being open and respectful towards each other uh, is uh, much more powerful as a way to defuse uh, hatred and uh, anger uh, than um, you know, layering on you know, big walls and uh, oppressive policies. Big walls and oppressive policies. I, I think that last bit is a shot at Trump. But uh, beyond the shot at Donald Trump, what do you make of all that? Well, it's it's interesting that he didn't really answer her question. She said, would you be comfortable if there were a terrorist attack carried out by someone who had come in as a refugee? And he didn't really respond to that. He just said, ultimately, being open and respectful is a better way to deal with terrorism than, than big walls and oppressive policies. And that, that ultimately is a little bit of a giveaway uh, uh, term. It's almost like he's saying, you know, uh, I'd be willing to lose a few terrorist victims among Canadians along the way as long as it uh, uh, ultimately um, you know, showed that we were being open and respectful. That's, you know, I mentioned that that's the left's unicorns and rainbows approach to national security because it's, it's so based on a fantasy about uh, – a very naive fantasy about – love and peace defusing anger and violence among uh, a country's enemies. And, uh, you know, call me cynical, but I'm not sure when in human history that kind of strategy has ever really worked against an enemy that openly vows to destroy you. <laughs> well, we, you know, we, we're dealing with the story that's very local here right now, Mark, and I know that, uh, you know, th- this goes on around the world, but locally we're dealing with this guy who was... Um, Killed in Libya, who's 21 years old, I believe, Owes Iguala, killed in Benghazi fighting with a group associated with uh, Ansar al-Sharia, the guys behind the September 11, 2012 terrorist attacks on the U.S. Embassy in Compound. Uh, he, he went to the University of Ottawa. He was in school here. His father was an imam here who is now back in Libya encouraging people to join the jihad. We were open and welcoming to him. He's spitting in our faces right now. Yeah, unfortunately, if you want to see what happens when you throw open the gates and embrace a radically different culture uh, from your own um, that includes enemies who want to uh, 
destroy your civilization. You want to, if you want to see what that gets you, look at what's happening in Germany, Sweden, Norway, and elsewhere throughout Europe where they have absorbed massive numbers of supposed Arab refugees. You couldn't ask for a friendlier welcome than those countries gave uh, the refugees. But the, the end result, at least what we're seeing so far, is that those countries have essentially imported a rape culture. Uh, and violent crime is skyrocketing. Literally hundreds of thousands of these refugees are now unaccounted for in mm-hmm. Scandinavia, and not to mention the fact that terrorists have slipped in uh, well, among them. That, that, was, that was my big uh, push, uh, and I've questioned the Prime Minister Trudeau about it. I've questioned his uh, cabinet ministers about it, was on the, on the security file. Would it shock you to find out, Mark, that they originally were going to b- bring people here, then do the security screening? I, I'm not sure the security screening that they did over there was strong enough and good enough, but their original plan was, we'll fly them here and then do the, um, the screening. Well, as soon as they land on Canadian soil, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms applies to them, and even if we found out they were terrorists, we would not be allowed to deport them. Yeah, it's you know you've got you really have to have a more realistic uh, sort of national security plan than just to uh, adopt a sort of hippieish <laughs> uh, perspective that love and peace will will conquer all. You know, there's something to the old adage that good fences make good neighbors. So uh, you know, as for Trudeau's dig that, that about big walls, um, you know. Uh, he doesn't doesn't necessarily have to put up a Trumpian wall around Canada, but uh, you know, uh, let, let's have some realistic perspective about uh, the capabilities that Canada has to effectively screen these people. And um, you know, these so-called refugees, some of them have been pretty thoroughly screened and still uh, ended up carrying out. Terrorist acts are being connected no, to terrorist groups. San, San Bernardino. Exactly. Um, so you, know, you, you just got. It comes down to protecting your people, um, and if you, if you're going to just say we need to be open and loving and friendly, and that will solve it, you're going to end up sacrificing some of your citizens to this naive policy. And here's another thing to think about: ISIS and their ilk, they don't respect this kind of um, con- what they would consider contemptible weakness. They don't respect the values of Trudeau and the left, which would include you know, some degree of pacifism, feminism, multiculturalism. You know, uh, our, our enemy, the Islamic fundamentalists, do not care about multiculturalism. <laughs> they, are, no. they, they are rabidly uniculturalist. Um, and you, know, you won't see ISIS driving around in vehicles with coexist bumper stickers. Uh, they do not respect this this kind of attitude that Trump, or sorry, that Trudeau is exhibiting. They respect only a, dare I call it, a merciless degree of strength and military power. Uh, let me remind you about Bin Laden's famous expression that when people see a weak horse and a strong horse, they naturally gravitate toward the strong horse. That is the Islamist. Uh, impulse. They don't feel compelled to turn their swords into plowshares by the weak horse that Trudeau is presenting to them in this uh, 60 Minutes interview. All right, and we'll see what happens while he's down there. Like I say, hanging out with John Podesta, uh, speaking with Mark Tapson, who's the editor in chief at truthrevolt.org. And Mark, uh, 30 seconds before you go, I got to ask you. I know the Washington Post is uh, is published a handy guide of where to move to if Trump wins. I know that it's all the the rage to talk. If my candidate doesn't win, I'm moving to Canada. 
Are you coming up to, to snowy Ottawa if, uh, if your candidate doesn't win? Uh, you know, I'd love to visit Canada. I've actually never been, and I'm oh. aching to visit there. But in, in terms of moving to another country, I suppose uh, if I ever ditched America, uh, I'd have to um, check out. I'd have to go to Australia, which is where my wife is from. Been there many times <laughs> and love the Australian people. So uh, well, I'd take, have to take a drive up your left coast and head up to uh, to Vancouver at least sometime for a short visit. Mark Tapson, thanks yeah, for well, joining me. <laughs> Mark is the editor-in-chief at truthrevolt.org, a place you can get lots of headlines on American news and elsewhere. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Part of what we will be trying to do on Beyond the News is bring you the best interview, the best segment that we can find during the day, because there's a lot of great content. And I know you don't listen all day. I know I don't listen all day. I listen to CFRA a lot, like a lot, a lot. But I don't listen all the time. So I'm going to try and find the best nuggets or something that you just got to hear. And Evan Solomon had Michelle Rempel on earlier today, and they talk about International Women's Day. But in the context of, and I'll let Evan set it up, a political star who used to be a rapper and used to say lots of not-so-nice things about women. Roll tape. T- tell us your view on, on Wab Canoe. He's a very well-known guy. He's running for the NDP in Manitoba. He's apologized for these comments. These weren't just comments. These were lyrics in his music. This was an attitude that he sp- spoke about. Is that enough? Well, you know, it's International Women's Day today, and I think, you know, taking, I'm going, I'm going to try and take politics out of the equation for a second. There's a lot of things that lead towards violence against women, and, um, you know, it's a discussion I think all parties have. How do we prevent that? And, you know, as a woman, I think we, we do have to be careful about, you know, language, lyrics. Uh, that we celebrate as a society that promote violence against women. I don't buy that it's an art form. Um, I think that when lyrics demean women, uh, when they're, and especially when they're sexualized in nature and and sort of lead towards sexual depreciation, um, I think it's, it's not helpful to that debate about violence against women, about the respect of women uh, in the context of Canadian pluralism and gender equality, um, so I guess that's my concern, is it's broader than the, just this incident. Uh, it's about, you know, the judgment of someone who uh, put this forward and also about ensuring that as a society, you know, as we're moving towards Canada's 150th birthday, we're on International Women's Day today, that we actually have a hard look at what promotes rape culture and violence against women. Now, Wab Canoe had a band called Dead Indians. He's a, obviously an Indigenous artist. And, and, and he sang about all that stuff. And by the way, this is endemic, and I'll get to the wider issue. But then he, you know, at the Aboriginal Music Awards ceremony uh, in 2014, he apologized. He asked hip-hop artists to do the same. He, in his memoir, he's apologized. I guess my question is, here's a guy that said, you know what, he thought this was once acceptable. It was part of that culture. Uh, then he realized it wasn't. He's been open about that. Uh, and he's turned it around. Does this, do, do those past comments, past lyrics do they disqualify him from running or or do you say okay you've recognized that that that's wrong and and now you can move forward well you know i think 
someone's actions, you always should measure someone by their actions and not by their words. So the interesting thing is what he said, but I mean, it's not just, you know, these misogynistic lyrics. It's also, you know, there's a fairly violent tweet about running over a cat that he put forward that I think is bizarre and disgusting. So, you know, I, I should somebody's previous, you know, comments come into effect in for the electorate to judge whether or not they're suitable for a job. I, I know mine does. So I, I don't think that he should be excused from these lyrics uh, just because he's now running for office. I think that, you know, whether or not he's apologized, they will come into um, consideration during an election because he has put his name to become, you know, a leader yeah. in the community. So no, that's you know, fair I, enough. And I think it would be one thing if, if Canoe, and we're speaking about Wab Canoe, if this had just emerged, you know how some people say, oh, we found this on your Twitter account or your Facebook account. I mean, he did actively and publicly write about this and the reason you walk and you just talk about um, the question is, is it did he do it just as political cover to, to, to you know, to, to run as a politician? Or, as you say, um, do you have to put his his words to action? But but he has written extensively about it. So is is that enough taking responsibility? Oh, no, I actually get. Be curious to see what your thoughts are on that, Evan. I mean, you know, you're, you know, you interview a lot of people, and, uh, you know, people with different backgrounds and different viewpoints. Like, you know, if somebody puts something out there, does it excuse them in the future? I don't know. I mean, well, you, uh, may, you know what I think, and I'm speaking with Michelle Rempel about it. We've asked, by the way, for what Wob Canoe and Michelle. I want to have this discussion today, and I know we got a time issue, but one thing that bugs me, and I've got a son and a daughter that listen to music all the time. And it drives me crazy that when they listen to hip hop or rap, where or they watch TV, where people use the B word, and it's you know, I'm going to make her my B, or these are my Bs. You know, this is as part of this cultural issue, quote unquote, that's acceptable, often not even bleeped out on mainstream media. And yet, you can't use the SH word. You can't use some word. But here, you can refer to women as that. And it's totally acceptable. I do not understand it. I do not understand well, why you can't, why this has become accepted. It, frankly, it drives I, me I crazy. Mean, and I agree with you. Like, I mean, I, and I think a lot of people would. And again, sort of putting the politics aside for a second, I don't know if you've actually read the transcript of one of those songs. For your listeners, it's far more than just the B word. Like, it's actually depicting violence against women, sexualized violence, um, you know, sort of sexual depravity. Um, the, the uh, you know, the role of women in terms of sexual relations, um, you know, the worth of women in terms of sexuality. And to me, you know, I think you struck the nail on the head. These are lyrics that are available and, you know, are celebrated by our youth. And, you know, to me, uh, you know, the role of women and women's sexuality, it, women's sexuality has always been used to demean women and put women in their place and make women submissive. So that's, you know, I, I mean, if you haven't read the transcript of that particular song, it's actually really shocking and offensive. But I, and, it's four o'clock. You know, I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like a prude, but I also want to. You know, we always talk about violence against women, and I just—it's not something. You know, it's not something I would sing along to, and I certainly hope you know your kids wouldn't either. It's but it's not, I, got, I got literally thirty seconds here, and, and I think Wabkin's got to be responsible and accountable. I, I, I totally accept that. And here we are on International Women's Day. I don't think this is a one-day issue. But it is, in just your last thought, what can be done about a culture? I mean, this is part of, you know, you go to the, you watch the Grammys. And, I, I mean, there's a song now that I, that um, Ellen DeGeneres danced to called Be Better Have My Money, right? Written by a woman, 
But there it is, the, the B words used to describe women all the time, by women, by oh, men. You know, again, like, you know, what can we do to prevent this? In the context of this particular lyric in these songs, this is about, you know, the value of, and, and role of women in sexuality, women's sexuality, using sex acts to demean and degrade women. I mean, to me, that's like a different level of severity. And I, you know, what can we do? I think even just you having this conversation on your show today is really important. It's about what we celebrate as a culture and what we celebrate as, you know, being something that's positive in art. Uh, to me, that's not, it's not pushing the envelope, like, you know, art, be it song or dance or whatever, uh, when it helps us explore cultural issues and have a better understanding of that as a society in advance, that's good art. It doesn't matter if it's controversial or not. This isn't, this isn't, yeah. that doesn't do this. This demeans women and there's a difference. Michelle Rempel on with Evan Solomon on Ottawa Now earlier today. As I said, trying to bring you what I think is the interview or the segment that you've got to hear again. We'll call it Redux here on Beyond the News and we'll try and bring you the best segment every day. Uh, that's not all we're going to be doing. Later on in the show, we'll be talking with Blaine Calkins. He's a conservative MP who's raising questions about the issue of Justin Trudeau using his trip to go to Washington as a fundraising tool. We'll also get into fundraising tools. Hmm, Kathleen Wynne loves to use the word tools, normally revenue tools. But you won't believe the revenue tool that she and Bob Shirelli are using and a discussion about Patrick Brown and what he actually may have said that should have you supporting him, even as we try and convince him that he's wrong on the issue of putting a price on carbon and having a conservative carbon tax. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You want to email me? Beyond the News at CFRA.com. When they describe me as the leader of the unofficial opposition, that doesn't just mean opposition to the party in power, to the governing party, but also to everyone that wants to hold those offices. I interviewed Patrick Brown on the weekend. We played the interview last night, and I heard from lots of you who heard the interview or who watched it over at therebel.media that you were disappointed in Patrick Brown on the issue of the carbon tax. And I want to play part of that again and then explain what I'm trying to do and then tell you why don't write him off yet, okay? I think that we need to hold Patrick Brown accountable for what he's saying on the carbon tax, but don't write him off yet. But just as a reminder, here's what he said in his interview with me Sunday at the Ontario PC Convention. Let me say uh, this is the issue of the day. This is what we have first ministers meeting on it. There's legislation coming at uh, at Queen's Park. Um, we had an extensive caucus uh, a meeting about this, and we believe we need a conservative uh, approach to the environment where the liberals want to create a liberal slush fund. And my response is that the cap and trade policy should be tax relief. It should be a dividend to uh, to taxpayers in the form of broad based tax relief. And let me say, it is, it, is, it is not a tax if the government doesn't use it. It is not a tax if the government returns it to taxpayers. Have you seen a, 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 a revenue-neutral carbon tax ever? Because I haven't seen them. 
British well, Columbia didn't work. Uh, you know, they tend to be very, very good for governments, and they end up being cash grabs. Well, you know, we hope to be the, fo the, f the first progressive conservative government, the first conservative government that will actually create a revenue-neutral um, cap-and-trade. But, but why... Why putting a price on carbon? I, I was looking at the actual carbon emissions. I mean, I could look at reports like from um, John Fife at the University of Victoria who agrees with the UN in saying, you know what, global warming slowed down, we're in a hiatus. But if you just look at emissions, Ontario is actually well below 1990 levels. Uh, getting rid of the coal plants, losing a lot of manufacturing jobs, Ontario's more than met what the Kyoto commitment was. Well, and, so and, 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 why is this well, still a big issue? Well, unfortunately, Ontario is, is meeting those targets not for good reasons. It's because we lost 350,000 manufacturing jobs. And I would note that the phase-out of coal was started by a progressive conservative premier, Ernie Eves. Um, you know, I, I believe climate change is a threat and it's something that our generation needs, needs to confront. I don't want us to be conservatives shying away to talk about the environment. I don't believe there's a contradiction in believing in conservatism uh, and conservation. Okay, but I, I'm just trying to figure out why a carbon tax or like what, what would you be looking at if you were well, designing actually, it? If you look at um, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan when he had the acid rain treaty, mm -hmm. uh, the conservative approach was that polluters pay and that it's returned in tax relief. Uh, that's my approach. Polluters will pay, but it's returned in tax relief. Uh, our approach to uh, cap-and-trade, which is coming to Ontario, like it or not, you know, I believe the Liberals are, are taking the wrong approach and simply it's a cash grab, it's, it's a slush fund. But our approach to this is rather than it being a cash grab for government and, and creating larger, bigger government, it should be returned to Ontarians in terms of a dividend, a, a dividend to taxpayers, relief, broad-based tax relief for individuals and businesses. All right, so that's Patrick Brown on his carbon tax. Now, I explained yesterday, and I'll explain a little bit again now, why I think he's wrong on this. And then I'll explain the policy that he dropped in the middle of that interview that I think is a good one. Because for the most part, Patrick Brown said many good things. The carbon policy, I think it's off. I think it's trying to um, play to people that won't vote for you anyway. I think it's trying to get the support of or organizations like the Toronto Red Star, a newspaper that has endorsed one candidate at a major race level that was not a liberal. And that was Jack Layton and the NDP in the 2011 federal election. They do not endorse conservatives ever, and they're not about to. So don't go after the Toronto Star vote. Don't go after the left-wing vote. But there's many reasons that the idea of this carbon tax are wrong. One, we can't afford it. It's too expensive. We are taxed through the nose due to the wind government. User fees, taxes, um, health premiums that are taxes, all of this is added up. We're tapped out. There's no change left in the pockets. And I simply don't believe that governments will return all the money. I don't care what Patrick says. The fact is, governments spend money. It's what they do. They don't like to return money. They rarely want to return the money. They want more money. And blaming them for that, that's like blaming a scorpion for staining you. It is in their nature. The other reason is that our emission levels are down. I explain all of this in a piece I did. I explained a lot of this last night, and I explained it again in a piece I did for The Rebel. And we've launched a petition alongside that piece called nocarbontax.ca. 
So if you're opposed to Patrick Brown and the carbon tax, then I'm going to ask you to sign the petition at nocarbontax.ca. It went live tonight. And the goal here is to show Brown the error of his ways. And also, we're hoping to commission a poll, not only of residents of Ontario, but PC voters specifically, to show him that he doesn't have the backing of his own party. He should know that from the convention on the weekend. Now, what's the policy that he dropped in the middle of that uh, conversation with me that surprised a lot of people? But it should surprise you in a good way if you're a conservative-minded voter. That is that he will repeal Kathleen Wynne's tax-grabbing payroll tax, contributing nothing to the future Ontario Retirement Pension Plan. I think we should refund it and repeal it. It is, it is a bad proposal for Ontario. It is the absolute worst time for uh, a new gigantic tax grab. Um, in terms of where we could make Ontario more uh, efficient, let me share with you some examples. Because we do have a huge problem. A billion dollars interest payment to foreign creditors is not acceptable. Um, look at health care. We had a report recently by the Auditor General that in home care, we spend 39% of the home care budget on administration. We spend far too much on administration, far too much on bureaucracy. You know, we're concerned about hospitals crumbling. We'll put money into the front lines, not into administration. You ask me one, you know, you, you try to find one nurse or doctor who supports the LINs, and they say it's just a, a buffer for the government. The government has invested in administration at the expense of, of, of the front lines. If you make what is a pretty average salary in Ottawa of $60,000 a year, Kathleen Wynne's payroll tax for the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan will cost you $1,140 a year. It'll cost your employer the same. You're not going to see that money for decades to come. And if you're close to retirement, you're not going to get anything. If you took that same money and put it into an RRSP or a tax-free savings account, you would come up with more money at the end. And as I've often described, if something were to happen to you, God forbid something were to happen to you. That money could be passed on to your, your children. It could be passed on to your husband, your wife, your parents. It could be passed on to whoever you decided that the money would go to. But you know what happens far too often with government pension plans when you have put in the money week after week, taken it off your paycheck? You pass away. You pass away early. That money's kept by the government. If you die before you take your pension, your family sees is not going to see anything. If you've retired, well, it depends. The way the Canada pension plan works, if your spouse is earning the maximum pension of what is it, 600 and something dollars a, a month is the average payout. If, if they're maxed out, they get nothing from your pension. If they didn't work and they're not getting a Canada pension plan, they get 60% of your pension. If you save the money yourself, It actually goes where you want it, where you need it, where your family needs it. The Ontario Ontario Retirement Pension Plan is a bad deal for workers. It's a bad deal for employers, and it should be rejected. Patrick Brown is wrong on the carbon tax, but he's right on the pension plan, and he's right on a host of other issues. And I think that deserves some credit. I think that fact alone tells you why you should not write him off. We'll get into that at the top of the next hour when we get into feedback and taking your calls. 
But I want you to think about that. And I want you to go to the petition page, nocarbontax.ca, nocarbontax.ca. Sign the petition, then post it to Facebook, tweet it out, email it to your Aunt Mildred. Spread the word. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on Newstalk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Ottawa is an interesting city. I did not grow up here. I moved here in 1998. And you would think it being a capital city that there would be, well, maybe more investment in civic infrastructure here. But that's not exactly the case. We're also an odd city in that we have a giant farm in the middle of the city. I mean, massive. The Central Experimental Farm is four square kilometers. Four square kilometers. And it's in the middle of the city. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it's also very odd. I don't know of another city. There's experimental farms across the country, by the way. Uh, We've got them down between Hamilton and St. Catharines, where I did grow up. I've seen them uh, near Montreal. I've seen them down by Sherbrooke, Quebec. I know they have them across western Canada. But the Central Experimental Farm is odd in that it is in the middle of a major urban center. And Ottawa is also odd in that we've got a hospital that's one of our major health centers that is close to 100 years old, and I'm talking about the Civic. The Civic campus of the Ottawa Hospital opened in 1921. It cost $1.5 million to build then. We're looking at replacing the Civic Hospital, and the Trudeau government and the Wynne government have decided that they want to step in and block it. Now, I wish that Ottawa getting a new hospital was not a partisan issue. We should all want the residents of this city or any city to have the best health care they can, obviously at reasonable prices and obviously at, you know, you don't want to be wasting because you want the money to go to frontline care. So you don't want to be wasting. But time and again, liberals in this city have intervened to stop progress on hospitals. And we can blame Mike Harris for threatening to close them on for, which didn't happen. We can blame Mike Harris for merging the Riverside, the Civic, and the General into the Ottawa Hospital. I can't say it's actually been that bad of a thing. I think, for the most part, it's turned out well. We've got pretty good health care in this city. But the Civic needs replacing. And after a deal was struck under the former government to transfer land, a small portion of the 6,000 acres at the Central Experimental Farm to transfer 60 of those over to the Ottawa Hospital for a new civic campus, liberals at the provincial and federal level have stepped in. It's reminding me of Ernie Eves, Mike Harris before him, and then Ernie Eves moving forward on a new Royal Ottawa Hospital. And then there was an election, and Dalton McGinty stepped in to try and stop it. In the end, he just changed the way the financing worked. Last night, there was a a, a session. I want you to listen because the liberals are saying that there needs to be uh, consultation 
that we need to have more information. I want you to listen to Jack Kitts last night, the top administrator at the Ottawa Hospital. He is being very political in this, and I mean very political in that he is trying not to harm anyone. He's trying not to tell the current governments that they're wrong, but they are. But he did lay out exactly what happened and how long this planning process has been going on. Many of you may recall that in the mid-90s, prior to the health system restructuring commission's merger, health experts recommended demolition of the civic campus. It was deemed to be too old to restore and rebuild. And that was 20 years ago. You won't be surprised then to learn that in 2007-8, the planning committee did not recommend rebuilding the civic campus on site. It would create unsafe conditions for patients and disrupt our staff. It would take more than 20 years to complete, and all of this at an additional cost of about $800 million. The planning committee then engaged a panel of key stakeholders and experts to identify potential sites for a new civic and evaluate them against the list of 12 criteria to determine which sites would best meet the healthcare needs of the community, the citizens of Ottawa, in the 21st century. We needed 50 to 60 acres. We needed to be close to the city center. Our patients and ambulances needed multiple access points, and we needed to be close to the Queensway and public transit. After a comprehensive review that took over a year, the Carling Avenue site scored the highest in the city court. We reported our panel's recommendations to the federal government in 2008. Of the dozen sites that we assessed, 11 were federally owned. So we needed their agreement to secure a site, and we were informed that our request would be considered. In 2012-13, we again asked the federal government for an update, and we were told that a process was underway, but it would take some time before a decision was made. We were subsequently asked to provide information to government to help inform their decision on the land. And in November 2014, we all learned that the site across the street from our existing site would be transferred to the NCC and leased to the Ottawa Hospital for a new civic campus. And then the Liberals took power and Yasser Nakfi and Catherine McKenna unfortunately are not doing their communities any favors. I want to extend an invitation to them both right now. And I promise this. I promise to be fair to them and to hear them out and have a proper discussion on why this is happening. But I will ask why it is that time and again liberals stand in the way of Ottawa's hospital facilities improving. This should not be happening. We're talking about a small portion of a giant farm being used for something that something that we will all use, something that we will all benefit from. I'm sorry, but moving this hospital up to Tunney's Pasture is not the answer. It does not have the access points. It does not have the transportation. It does not have what we need in this city. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we get back, 
We will discuss other issues, including liberal ethics and Justin Trudeau's trip to Washington. Back in moments. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Donate to the Liberal Party of Canada. Win a trip for two to Washington, D.C. during the Prime Minister's state visit to the American capital. All of this, this whole visit, this whole escapade of Justin Trudeau going to Washington is being paid for by taxpayers. But the Liberals, well, they're trying to fundraise off of that. And they're also trying to help their friends at a group called Canada 2020. That's the issue that Blaine Calkins, conservative MP, raised today when he wrote to the ethics commissioner and the lobbying commissioner. Now, I'm not sure on the lobbying commissioner, so I'm going to ask Blaine to explain that to us. But welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Brian. It's great to be on your show. So let me ask you this. What is the problem that, as you see it, in terms of, of ethics? To me, it just looks shady. Uh, you are going as the prime minister, and I don't remember Stephen Harper doing this ever, but you're going as the prime minister to a foreign country, you're being feted with the state dinner, and yet your party is saying, hey, uh, donate to us and you could win a trip for two down. Is that is that part of the problem here? Well, look, Brian, this whole thing is... Um is very uh, politically incestuous. It, it starts with um, the Canada 2020 organization, which is a progressive think tank, and it was founded by um, uh, Tim uh, Barber and Susan Smith, uh, that's no secret, who uh, are also now principals at a lobbying firm registered at the very same address, uh, which lobbies 17 ministries, um, including the Prime Minister's office. Um, and this Canada 2020 organization, uh, whose president now is Thomas Pitfield, is married to um, Anna Ganey, who is the president of the Liberal Party of Canada. Now, so Canada 2020 when, you, website, when you said incestuous, that's... Well, wow, it, okay. It, it, this, this is how this is all working out, and, and this is why I wrote to both the lobbying commissioner and to the ethics commissioner, because uh, this is a complete inside job. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The Liberal Party of Canada uh, is actively advertising on its website for Canada 2020. Canada 2020 is actively advertising and promoting events for the Liberal Party of Canada on their website. Uh, and on the Liberal Party website, um, what we've seen is a uh, an, ur- an urging or a request uh, of uh, folks to donate to the Liberal Party of Canada. Uh, and after they donate, uh, then they could go on to consider uh, filling out an application to have their name drawn to go to a state uh, dinner. A couple of uh, um, a couple of um, uh, things that they can do down in uh, with the Prime Minister uh, while he's in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, reception uh, uh, gala and uh, a special luncheon after the state dinner. So uh, these things are worth about $5,000 each. And, of course, the taxpayers of Canada have funded um, uh, the Prime Minister and his uh, entire entourage, which includes uh, lots uh, of Canadian uh, ministers. And, of course, all their staff will be accompanying them, all paid for by the taxpayer. But at the same time, uh, both Canada 2020 and the Liberal Party of Canada uh, seem to be organizing uh, for each other and fundraising for each other uh, using this particular event. And... um, and it's uh, all people that are well tied together. They're friends of each other. Uh, these are well-documented, well-publicized uh, uh, well uh, things. No, none of these folks would, uh, would deny any of these um, uh, relationships. And, of course, the, uh, the Ethics Act and the Lobbying Act are very clear and very specific on furthering the interests of your friends. Uh, so I've asked uh, both of them to look 
into this matter, do an investigation into this matter uh, to find out if indeed any uh, ethical or lobbying guidelines have been crossed. If, if some of these guidelines have been crossed, if they've gone outside the, the rules, this would not be the first time, right? I mean, there, there was a fundraiser that they cancelled after questions were raised late last year. Well, that's, that's right. We go back uh, to, uh, I believe it was December, uh, there was a fundraising letter urging folks to, uh, um, to uh, donate up to $250 for an opportunity to win a dinner. So the Liberals are playing this sneaky game where they're urging people to donate. It's almost like buying a raffle ticket uh, through a donation to the Liberal Party uh, to buy yourself access to uh, all, of these, um, all of these events that, uh, in some cases, the taxpayers are paying for. And, uh, you know, after that became uh, public, uh, that was uh, uh, put to rest quickly uh, and rightly so um, by the Liberal Party because they realized that... Uh, they were embarrassed. Well, you just, you and they, they could have had a, a ruling against them. Uh, let me read to you. Um, I'm speaking with Blaine Calkins, a conservative critic on the ethics file who's been doing yeoman's work. You, you would think you wouldn't be so busy this early in the mandate, uh, Blaine, <laughs> but uh, you've been quite busy of late on this file, and um, so I want to get to one of the emails that I received. Like a lot of people in the media, I sign up for as if I'm a supporter of all of you parties, just so we can see what you send out to people, because we want to know, are you doing something shady? This email came to me February 29th, middle of the afternoon, as the Liberals were trying to meet their February fundraising goals. It said, Hey, Brian, it's Anna Ganey, and there's a smiling picture of Anna Ganey. She says, hey, Brian, it's Anna Ganey, president of the Liberal Party of Canada. Next week, I'll be in Washington, D.C. to attend the events hosted by Canada 2020. So if you and your guests win our promotion, let's meet up. But you can't win if you don't enter. So donate now to help us hit our February fundraising target. Then enter to win a trip to Washington, D.C. for two Canada 2020 events, and we'll hang out while you're there. That is... You, as you say, you cannot use uh, benefit your friends with fundraising, and and that that is clearly saying, donate to us. You can enter here. Ryan, the dots are so close in all of this that you don't even have to draw a line between them. They're all touching each other. Um, that's why this uh, just has uh, every appearance of uh, what every um, uh, every Canadian would would see as completely inappropriate behavior, uh, which is why I've written to uh, both the commissioners asking them to investigate and, and weigh in on this. Um, uh, Canadians have a right to know that uh, their taxpayers are not being used again by the Liberal Party of Canada, this time albeit indirectly, uh, to advance the interests of the Liberal Party uh, and a think tank. Um, you know, we, we all know it's been very clear, it's been made clear to us by the Ethics Commissioner that we are not to fundraise on behalf of third-party organizations such as such as uh, Canada 2020. Well, the, the, the and, NDP got caught with yep. this when Jack Layton passed away. Yep. And they were trying to fundraise for the Broadband Institute, mm-hmm. which is closely aligned with them, and there's no issue with that, but they had their wrist slap for that. You, yep. you raised the, the issue in your news release, though. You also raised the issue of the lobbying. So tell me about the 17 lobbying registrations that Blue Sky Strategy Group has been involved in. Do you know if they have they been getting extra access or is there the appearance of extra access because of their close connections? I mean, as you said, there's the, the tie between Blue, Stride, Blue Sky Strategy Group and Canada 2020. We know that Justin Trudeau has spoken at least twice at Canada 2020 events 
uh, wants to talk about economics, wants to talk about whipping out our CFA teams to show how big they are. Is That's he, right. Are they getting special treatment with these uh, lobbying efforts, or is there the appearance of that at the least? Well, like I mentioned in my opening comments, uh, Brian, the same people that were uh, the co-founders of Canada 2020 uh, are also now principals uh, at Blue Sky, which is the uh, registered lobbying firm, and they've registered uh, with what we know in the public registry uh, to registry lobby 17 uh, different ministries, including, uh, including, as I said, the prime minister's office. Uh, and we uh, we know uh, through some of the access uh, uh, to information that we have uh, on the lobbying registry that they have been actively lobbying um, various um, various ministries and so on. And uh, these things have been widely reported in the media as well. McLean's Magazine has run articles on this. Uh, the current uh, an iPolitics story uh, noted that Gerald Butts, who's the principal secretary of the Prime Minister, um, as as a designated public office holder under the Conflict of Interest Act, uh, has already been. Uh, dealing with Thomas Fitfield, Susan Smith, and Tim Barber. These are all the people involved in Blue Sky and 2020. Uh, so it's all interconnected. It's like um, having all your best friends over after yeah. they just threw you dinner and uh, raised yeah. you some money. Yeah, that, that's exactly what this is. Uh, but the, the worst part of it is is they're doing it uh, um, at, the, uh, uh, at the expense of uh, Canadian taxpayers uh, at, at an event outside of Canada, of all things, uh, raising money uh, using uh, something uh, with the optics of a, of a state dinner, which uh, I think everybody in Canada... Uh, and common sense would agree should not be uh, used as a partisan uh, fundraising event in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I, I remember your former colleague, uh, Mark Adler, yeah. being raked over the coals on the trip to Israel because he wanted a specific picture. I think it was by the Wailing Wall and said, oh, this is the election shot. There was nonstop media reporting on that, and right. there should be nonstop media reporting on this until it shut down. But well, we'll see. Well, I, my only hope is that the Liberals come to their senses on this, uh, well, if but, not, uh, I, I think they should get their wrists slapped. Uh, and I'm hoping that they will, and uh, I have confidence that the Ethics Commissioner and the Lobbying Commissioner will, uh, will look into this matter and, uh, and hopefully uh, uh, bring, um, uh, bring about uh, some, some lessons for the Liberals on this. Look, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that it's uh, early in a mandate, uh, but you know, we only have to go back to when the Liberals were in power. We, we knew that they took money uh, actually directly from the taxpayers through the ad scam, uh, we learned that through the Gomery Commission. Uh, they have no compunction about pushing the envelope on any of these things uh, and standing on a soapbox, pretending to be standing up for uh, the middle class and for Canadians. But really, the reality is uh, we're back to the future again. They're just basically uh, you know, paying lip service to uh, the needs of Canadians, uh, but at the same time, and all the while just uh, helping each other, patting each other on the back. Uh, and uh, enriching each other uh, at the expense of taxpayers. So, Blaine, I, I wish they were raising money to pay back the $40 million, yeah. uh, but that's not happening. I'm speaking with Blaine Calkin. He's uh, the MP for Red Deer Lacombe in Alberta, and he's also the point man on the ethics file. Uh, Blaine, I, I w- we'll let you go in a couple of minutes, let you get back to your night, but I know there were a bunch of votes today. There was uh, the vote on the ISIS mission. Mm-hmm. That was a foregone conclusion. We knew, we knew where it was happening. They'd already uh, implemented everything that they were going forward with. But there was also a vote, I believe, uh, on repealing one of your bills. Did that happen tonight? Yeah, that did happen tonight. So uh, that vote passed. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, uh, in the last parliament, I was uh, so pleased to have uh, my private member's bill, 525, uh, passed uh, and uh, brought into force. It changed the law, uh, basically creating a, uh, a system whereby um, union workers uh, have the right to a, a mandatory secret ballot away from the prying eyes of both union, uh, uh, union organizers and employers to determine whether or not they wanted to be in a union or not. And uh, this is uh, a long overdue change. It's consistent with the legislation in 
many Canadian provinces. It's consistent uh, with legislation in the United States and other places around the world. Uh, where in a, it, it's hard to believe that in a country like Canada, uh, which uh, which um, you know should be able to claim that it's uh, one of the most democratic uh, countries in the world, we still have a card check system to uh, uh, to certify unions in the, in the federal uh, jurisdiction. And we're going back to that. Liberals are uh, not only undoing the uh, the democratic aspect of it, but they're undoing the financial uh, transparency aspect of it as yeah. well. Well, we we last held a federal election, or. We've been holding federal yeah. elections with yeah. secret ballots since 1874. That's right. When I asked um, Marianne Mychuk, the labor minister, mm-hmm. I asked her in a scrum after question period, the day that she introduced the bill to get rid of the secret ballot, if why she was getting rid of secret ballot and would she be willing to stand for election without secret ballot? You know what she said to me? What'd you, what'd had you... nothing to, the, the, her yeah. bill had nothing to do with secret ballot. She didn't even know the contents of her own bill. They're only getting rid of it, Blaine, because you guys brought it in. Well, not only that, we also learned that during the election uh, uh, there was uh, union-paid volunteers showing up at uh, several liberal uh, campaign events. Those things uh, weren't uh, uh, properly recorded as official campaign expenses. Uh, We know there were secret meetings uh, happening right after uh, the uh, election campaign was over between uh, the Prime Minister and union leaders. Uh, You know, in the Conservative Party, we believe in secret uh, ballots and uh, uh, Liberal Party, they believe in secret meetings, and uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, you know, obviously lobbied and got the one of the first bills uh, that the Liberal government's put forward is uh, stepping backwards and uh, repealing both the financial transparency aspect and the uh, uh, the secret ballot aspect of uh, union certification. So uh, shows where their priorities are. It's uh, it's truly not uh, in favor of uh, what ordinary working Canadians uh, actually want. And uh, you know, the sad part about it is uh, today's International Women's Day. Uh, all the women uh, in Canada that uh, may or be considering uh, joining a union just lost uh, just lost their right to vote as to whether or not that's in their best interest or not. So very, very unfortunate, uh, very regressive uh, move by the Liberals. Blaine Calkins is the MP for Red Deer Lacombe. He's a Conservative MP and the Conservative critic on the Ethics File. Thanks for joining me tonight, sir. Always a pleasure, Brian. All right, I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Stick around. Not done yet. Plenty more to come. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. There are four primaries going on in the United States right now on the Republican side, two on the Democratic side. For the Democrats, it is Mississippi and Michigan. Right now, with 27% of the vote in, Bernie Sanders is eking out a narrow victory over Hillary Clinton. It's 50 to 48 for Sanders right now. 27% of the votes counted. In Mississippi, well, it's only 1% counted, uh, but, um, you know, they've got her with 83% of the vote. I'm, I'm looking at CNN's website. They are projecting Donald Trump to win Mississippi with only fit, uh, with only 1% of the votes counted. He's at 50% to Cruz's 35. I mean, that could happen. Uh, Michigan, it's Trump 37, Kasich 27, Cruz uh, 21. Um, And then Idaho and Hawaii, they are obviously in much later time zones. Things are still going on there. So 
We'll see what happens. Now, I posted something. I alluded to this earlier. I posted something from Donald Trump's past on my Facebook page today. And now I'm being accused of throwing in with the mainstream media because I pointed out that Trump was fined $200,000 by the New Jersey Gaming Commission for taking black and female employees off the floor when a man with close ties to John Gotti used to come in. He was also a mob-type figure, very close with John Gotti, was one of Trump's best customers at Atlantic City Hotel. He used to go in, but he didn't want black people or women to serve him. So he'd have them taken off the floor. No, no, we're only going to have white guys serve this this customer. These are a good customer. So... Well, that, that's kind of against the law, not, never mind human decency, but it's against the law. So this is a story that's not muckraking. It's backed up by the actual documents from the New Jersey Gaming Commission showing that Trump paid the fine. I'm being accused of not being a conservative, of wanting Clinton to win. If you listen to me, you know that I prefer Cruz. My left shoe would have been a better president than uh, Barack Obama. My left shoe would be a better president than Hillary Clinton. But I want Cruz to win. I'd prefer him over Trump. That does not make me a mainstream media sellout. Now, I want to talk about something different for a couple of minutes, something a little bit lighter, but something that irks me. And it's bathroom etiquette. Bathroom etiquette because sometimes you see weird things. Sometimes people just barge in on you when you're in the washroom. Hey. What are you doing? Uh, going to the bathroom. We're all downstairs waiting for you. You've been up here for a really long time now. Oh, I'm almost done. Could be done in a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a scene from the movie This Is 40, where uh, the husband's up hiding in the bathroom playing Candy Crush on the iPad rather than being near his family. But that's not the bathroom etiquette I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that answer their phone when they're in a public bathroom stall. You walk in. And well, I don't know what it's like for women. I guess you all have stalls. But hey, men, you know, you walk in, you, you're standing against the wall at the urinal and you hear, uh, yeah, hello. No? No, nothing's going on. No, well, no, I'm not busy. You answered your phone in the bathroom. What is wrong with you? You simply do not do that. Today at the bunker, I walk into the men's room. Those of you that have listened a while, you know I call my office. It's downtown Ottawa. I call it the bunker. You know, like a lot of offices, you walk down the hall from your office to the, the bathroom. So I walk into the men's room. There's one guy in the stall in the middle of something very delicate, and the other guy standing outside having a full conversation with him. Who does that? Do not do this. These are my bathroom etiquette rules. Don't answer your phone when you're sitting on the toilet in the stall. Don't answer. Just don't. I don't care if you want to play Candy Crush. Go ahead and play Candy Crush. Email your best friend if you want, but don't answer their phone call. And don't have a conversation, a very loud conversation, with the guy outside while you're in the middle of doing things. And then finally, and this is just for the men, you know what urinal etiquette is? I shouldn't have to say this, but apparently I do. If there are a number of urinals, you don't walk up and stand right next to a guy when there's four other open ones left. You know you always leave a space. Even if they got the wall things up, you just don't do that. You know who does that? Crossfitters, atheists, and vegetarians. Why? Or vegans. Because they're going to walk up and tell you that that's what they are. Have you heard the joke? 
crossfitter an atheist and a vegan walk into a bar how do you know what they told me all within two minutes that's why they're standing next to it the urinal but you do not take the urinal next to the other guy you keep walking I thought everybody knew this but apparently not maybe it's just me maybe it's a a Hamilton thing maybe we got to bring it to Ottawa you know that when I moved here they didn't call it a double-double that that hadn't come here yet we'll get you going Ottawa I'm Brian Lilly this is beyond the news We'll talk more serious, less scatological subjects after the break. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Never been to Mississippi. But I have to, I have to wonder about Democratic voters in Mississippi. Results are still early on the Democratic side, just 5% of the results in, but 82.8% want the old liar over the old socialist. I know everyone goes on and on about the Republican side, but let's not forget, people. The Democrats have two crazy people running. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, what difference does it make that... I refuse to acknowledge the truth about one of my people getting killed. Four of my people getting killed in Benghazi. What difference does it make that I lied and told everyone it was due to a, a YouTube video no one had ever seen? She's got 82.8% of the vote right now in Mississippi. Eh, maybe they don't like diplomats or the military in Mississippi. I doubt that, but maybe Democrats don't like diplomats in the military in Mississippi. 82.6% of the vote for Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders taking 51% of the Democratic vote in Michigan. And Donald Trump with substantial leads in both uh, Mississippi and Michigan. 49.6% in Mississippi to 35.2% for Cruz. John Kasich down at 7. Marco Rubio doesn't even look like he's registering. And um, in Michigan, it's 37.8% for Trump, 25.9% for Kasich, where he invested a lot of money in time there, and then uh, 22.7% for Cruz. Yeah, in Mississippi, Cruz or Rubio is getting 5% of the vote right now. Like I said, I know it's early, but he's getting 5%. And in Michigan... Down to 9%. This guy has got to drop out. I played things for you earlier. Played your audio, and I was asking the question about writing Patrick Brown off. We took calls about Patrick Brown and this carbon tax last night. But I want to do that again. Because I want to play the audio for you, bits of it, and ask you, is, is his desire to put a price on carbon... So bad that you'll write him off when you hear other thing, other things that he's proposing, such as repealing the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan, the giant payroll tax being brought in by Kathleen Wynne. So here's a taste of Patrick Brown from his interview with me on the carbon tax. Let, let me say uh, this is the issue of the day. This is what we have first ministers meeting on it. The, there's legislation coming in at, uh, at Queen's Park. Um, we had an extensive caucus uh, 
a meeting about this, and we believe we need a conservative uh, approach to the environment. Where the Liberals want to create a Liberal slush fund, my response is that the cap-and-trade policy should be tax relief. It should be a dividend to, uh, to taxpayers in the form of broad-based tax relief. And let me say, it is, it, is, it is not a tax if the government doesn't use it. It is not a tax if the government returns it to taxpayers. Oh, it's still Have a you tax. Seen a- let's, let's fade that down. It's still a tax, and I think he's wrong. And that's why earlier today, launched a petition, nocarbontax.ca. So I invite you to sign that, nocarbontax.ca. Sign the petition. Help us out with the poll if you can. We're going to try and fund a poll that will gauge the, the views of um, not only residents of Ontario, but PC voters in Ontario. So go and sign that. If, if you disagree with the carbon tax, go sign it now, nocarbontax.ca. But I also want to ask you, is it so bad, his proposal to put price on carbon, that you will write him off even though he's saying other good things. So get ready to call in, 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. But listen now to Brown on the issue of doing away with Wynn's cash grab on the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan. I think we should refund it and repeal it. It is is a bad proposal for Ontario. It is the absolute worst time for uh, a new gigantic tax grab. Um, In terms of where we could make Ontario more... Okay, so he's just up front. He'll get rid of it. He wants to repeal it. I asked him about the pipeline. Energy East, this has become an issue. It should not be a provincial issue at all, but it, the pipelines have become a huge issue. He just said quickly, yes, we will support the pipeline. End of story. That's good. He talked about... Taxes in Ontario being too high, spending being too high. He said he would get rid of the LINs, the local health integration networks. These are all good things. Is Patrick Brown's desire to put a price on carbon and appease the Toronto star crowd so foul-smelling to you that you're going to write him off? I think we could bring him around to sanity. I think we could bring him around to saying, you know what? You're misguided. We, we need you to reconsider. But maybe, maybe you're beyond that. I heard from so many people yesterday, by email, by Twitter, by Facebook, angry about it. I, I could not keep up with the Twitter mentions last night, reacting to the playing of the interview both here on CFRA and the video being posted up at the Rebel. I could not keep up with it. Eventually, my eyes just glazed over. On Facebook, it went wild. By email, it went wild. But what do you think? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Or if you're calling from out of town, 1-800-580-2372. You voiced your anger last night at Patrick Brown. Would you be willing to forgive him if he comes around to sanity? Or are you just saying, enough is enough? I'm done with the PC party of Ontario. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Call in now, 521-TALK, 521-8255. Back with your calls, your emails, your comments in moments.
You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. He supports the carbon tax, but he also supports getting rid of the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan. He says scrap the lens and lower taxes. Three out of four ain't bad. It's the fourth one that worries me. Where do you stand on all of this? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-2372. Where do you stand on Patrick Brown? Bob in Renfrew, you're on Beyond the News. How are you doing, Brian? Perfectly adequate. Atta boy. You boy. should see my emails lighting up with all the people signing our petition at nocarbontax.ca, by the way. Sure do, Brian. Brian, yeah. uh, I think that Mr. Brown might be on a slippery slope. Okay. Well, so do you want to shove him down the slippery slope, no. or do you want to throw him a lifeline? Where, where are you at? I'd like to throw him a lifeline. Okay. What he's doing, he's, uh, if, you're, if you ever box, Brian, he's backing in the corner. And when you're in the corner, you're going to get beat. Yep. You, you know? know what? I think you're right on that. Now, he's got to come out of that corner. But he can't come out on her agenda. You know what I mean, Brian? Yeah, and, and, and playing, playing on the other team's turf doesn't help you win a game, does it? Oh, by absolutely no means, Brian. Now, Brian, I live up here where it's uh, in the uh, Fru. It's completely blue. <laughs> you I, know may, I, I may have heard that. I may have met uh, your MPP and your MP, yep. Yeah, both of them. We're completely blue. And uh, what I go down, Brian, I work at a large... Uh, a grocery store down here in Renfrew, a mall, eh? and I'm a very political person. Eh? I always bring out the name, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Brown, uh, you know, blah, 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 the conservative. They don't have a clue he is. No? He's got to do something. But if I if I, if I mention Lisa McLeod, ooh, yeah, she's very outspoken. So is that due to CFRA? Or is that due to Patrick Brown? I mean, because well, Lisa's on I'll CFRA you, Brian, on a regular say, basis. Yeah. Um, I would have to say it's with CFRA with Lisa. She's such an outspoken, beautiful, talking woman. Eh? She's the only one giving them hell down there. She's very good at that. Saw and her on the weekend. Brown, we never hear about him. You know, so you, so, you think you know, he's got to get out there? The last couple of days they had the uh, convention down there in Ottawa, and he went out and all oh, carbon tax. Oh, I agree with that. You don't agree with that, and we don't agree with that, Brian. You know that. So you you, you would game, be you would be willing to throw him a lifeline and, he's going and try and correct the corner, him. and he's going to get beat up on it. All right, Bob. Thanks for the call. Okay, Brian. Thanks a lot. Eh? All right, going to I love that. Thanks a lot. Eh? I love people from the fruit. Absolutely, Gloria. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's Bill Carroll messed up these phone buttons. Gloria in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, hi. Listen, you know, first of all, Trudeau has said that he is going to force us, the whole of Canada, to have a carbon tax. He has promised that. He promised that when he was running, and he has reiterated the same thing again. He is going to have a a carbon tax, and if, if, if provinces don't 
come up with some kind of, of uh, plan for this so-called carbon tax that we do not need. We are, uh, many people know that. But he is going to force it on every province well, in because, this country. Well, because he believes in cooperative federalism, Gloria, that's why. He's he just, a dictator. He, he No, no, he said he wanted to sit down with the provinces and, and not be like mean Steve. And he, yeah. he wanted to have cooperative federalism, Gloria. This is yeah. what it's all about. Except he's talking to them like I talk to my kids. You'll do what I say exactly. or I'll make you do it. Exactly. And the thing is, so what, what – to me, Patrick Brown has no choice. The only thing I can say in his favor is that he is going to make it uh, revenue neutral, the carbon tax. I mean, he can he can uh, say all he wants, uh, 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 you know, uh, and that that he doesn't. I don't think he really wants it, but I don't feel he has any choice. But he will make it revenue neutral so that it comes back in lower taxes. Now he has said that, and I've heard him on the radio, and he also said that the, he would have have uh, the um, auditor general look after the account and 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 look uh, delve into it and analyze it every year, so that, so that. You know, she would hold, she or he, whoever it may be, would hold them to account. Because if you abandon, if the the, the uh, conservatives abandon um, Patrick Brown, we stand a very good chance of having another corrupt, slimy liberal government, or just almost as bad an NDP uh, uh, government. And 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 people have to realize that 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 he's. Everybody will be dragged into this carbon mess. So, well, that can be the federal government imposing it. It doesn't well, have to be the. Point. It doesn't have to be the province imposing it. And Brad Wall in Saskatchewan just called an election, and he's going into an election saying he doesn't want this. You've got Stephen McNeil in Nova Scotia. He's a liberal. He has said, "Nope, we can't have this." You've got the three premiers from the the territory saying no. That's five out of thirteen Ooh, told Justin that Trudeau no. Fantastic. Can they? Get, I just they they uh, need all more Brown coverage, has, but the media is ignoring this. It, well, it sounds like he, he's by himself on this. The, the media are for the most part a bunch of liberal shills, and we know this. But all yep. Brown had to do was say we can't afford this at this time. Well, we can't. Kathleen Wynne has driven up our our hydro bills. We need to lower them in Ontario. That's our priority. Keep going back to that. Keep hammering our on the hydro. Oh, I, th- they've got to get together and, and hold some kind of press conference, and, 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 and the media has to cover this. I mean, we are l- losing. We are talking to the max. Don't expect the media to treat a conservative fairly ever, Gloria. That, oh, that is my advice because, always. Well, I'll tell you something. We okay, are last run- point, and i got to run. Thank you. Go, no, go ahead. Oh. I think she misunderstood. I was saying last point, and then I have to run. But I, I don't think Gloria understood that. Next time, Gloria. Uh, all right. What are your thoughts on this? Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility. I heard from a lot of you last night saying that you were writing Patrick Brown off, that you were done with the PC Party of Ontario. Well, I've played you the clips of him on the carbon tax. I've played you the clips of him on the Ontario retirement pension plan. Do you want to throw him a lifeline? Do you want to correct him? Do you agree with him on the carbon pricing? Or are you ready to write him off? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. John Indipian, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, I think I'm all over the map here. 
<laughs> uh, okay, well, let, let's start with carbon pricing. Do you agree with Patrick Brown on having a price on carbon at this point in time? I've always uh, voted for PCs, and it seems like he's back to the the old reality of, uh, while it's okay, we'll do it this way. Are they pretentious of who they are? I keep paying bills and bills of everything else, and they keep throwing things at us. I don't think we can afford everything. Okay. I I don't believe this carbon tax. Carbon tax, well... It's a tax on everything, isn't it? Basically, it is, isn't it? Well, if um, if it drives up the price of gas by 4.3 cents a liter, everything that moves by truck is going to go up in price eventually because that will add to transportation cost. Right now, that... That means a mm, mm. fuel is not the sole transportation, the sole cost, but it's five percent almost on fuel. And then when you, there's uh, when there's a price on fuel and taxes, everything starts to. So if it uh, moves by train, if it moves by boat, if it moves at all, being in business today, I think we have to. We need money to run businesses. As I run a business. Keep taxing uh, so, me. How, how do I run a business? I shut one down because of taxes. Okay, because so because of the expenses. Let Let me ask you this then, because a big problem for business is the payroll tax that Kathleen Wynne has promised, the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan, which isn't uh, going to fund anyone's pension because she's already said she's going to spend it on infrastructure. So Brown says he'll get rid of that. That's a big cost to employees, but it's also a big cost to employers. Do you like that promise? I want to vote conservative, although where do I vote now? It's, it's, it's so frustrating. I don't know where to go anymore. All right. Well, hopefully we can change his mind. John, thanks well, for the I call. Well, ho- I hope so, too. Well, uh, go, well go, go to the website, nocarbontax.ca. Go to the website, sign the petition. We're trying to get a petition going to show him that PC voters aren't behind him on this one. All right. When we come back, more of your calls, more of your emails. My question to you, where do you stand on Patrick Brown? So many of you were angry yesterday, and all I did was play the interview. But now that you've heard an expansion on it, what he's saying, including the pension plan, including the lens, including taxes in general, where do you stand? Do you write him off? Do you throw him a lifeline? Do you try and correct him? Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. I'll admit that I had trouble getting the podcast posted last night on my page, but it is on the CFRA page. We won't have that trouble tonight. We'll get that out there. If you like what you're hearing and maybe you missed the first hour, maybe you missed the second hour, maybe you... You tune in and out. And I know that's how radio works, but you want to hear something, you can go to the podcast. You can generally find it once it's up. You'll find it on my web page, on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Once I get into the swing of things, it'll be at brianlilly.com as well. But it's on the CFRA website. You can find it there. Um, if you look up Brian Lilly on iTunes, you can find it there. Soon it will be on Stitcher and elsewhere. I'm telling you this because 
I know you're a tech-savvy audience. I know I get calls from people saying, well, I don't have a computer, but I know most of the audience is tech-savvy because you live in this world, you live in this life, and that's the reality of the world we are in today. But I'm finding out that not an awful lot of people or not enough people know about the apps that let you listen. See, in the bunker, I can't get CFRA over the regular radio. But I can get it either on my computer, I can hit the Listen Live feature, or the app. You know, I just connect my, my phone to the Wi-Fi in my office, and I hit for the app, and I can listen for ages. It drops out even less than the computer. If you ever get frustrated with the, the Listen Live feature dropping, the app, that happens far less frequently, I find. So the app is available on iTunes and Google Play. It lets you to listen to all of Bell Media's talk radio stations across the country. Fantastic, because you know, some days I do want to listen to my pal Jerry Agar on 1010. I've worked with or for all of these guys across the country at various times. So Tommy Schnermacher in Montreal and Jerry Agar in Toronto and uh, Phil Johnson in Kelowna. Uh, sometimes I want to check out what they're saying. But if you want to be able to listen to CFRA on the go, the Bell Media, you have to you have to have Bell Media Talk Radio app. If you just do Bell Media Radio app, you know, you'll get all the music, and that's great. But if you want the talk radio, if you've got to put in Bell Media Talk Radio in the Apple iTunes Store or in Google Play, and you won't be sorry. Trust me. So do that tonight while you're sitting at home connected to the Wi-Fi, and then next time you're out somewhere and you want to, you can't get the station, maybe you're traveling. You're able to check it out. You're able to still feel connected to your hometown radio. I'm asking you what you think about Patrick Brown. I'm asking you what you feel about Patrick Brown now that he said he supports a carbon tax or a price on carbon. I don't care if you call it cap and trade or a carbon tax. I'm saying that a carbon, a price on carbon is a carbon tax in one way or another. Grace replied on Facebook, how about a politician tax where politicians must pay a certain percentage of their income in tax? Well, they, they already kind of have that with the general income tax, Grace. Uh, our man said, no carbon tax, but my real pet peeve is government announcement that involves financing paid for by the government of Ontario. It should be by the people of Ontario. That would be inclusive. And Dan writes on Facebook as well, no carbon tax. Bring the hydro plants that are water-driven back online that have been shut down and most of all promise equal rights in this province. That includes everyone, not special interest groups, and you will have my support. You can comment on Facebook. You can email me, beyondthenews at CFRA.com. Tim in Renfrew, you're on Beyond the News. Funny you were talking about uh, the apps because I'm picking it up on simple radio in my garage. (laughs) Well, perfect. You know, and um, I don't know Simple Radio. I'll have to check that out. But I know that... Yeah, it works uh, for Android system. It works good for me. Anyways, well, the, well, the, the Bell Media one's on Android as well, and uh, soon the podcast will be up for uh, Android on Stitcher and elsewhere. Um, but with that being said, um, I think we're all pretty immune to attacks on everything from the government by now. Um, well, but- I, I don't know about immune, Tim, because they keep picking my pocket and I have less money. I don't know about you. Well, I'm, okay, let's agree on numb then, okay? But that being said, what what people, a lot of people I don't hear talking about are the Conservative Party is moving forward into a new generation. That We've we, we all seen that at the conference. And if, if Patrick has to 
give in on a carbon tax, and maybe there's a few conservatives uh, in the Liberal caucus that were sitting on the fence, and they're going to join us and and move forward. That's I'm good with that. I I really think it's a smart move. It's it's just the politics of the day. Let's get on with it and get on the boat and quit devising. Um, because we all know it's coming. We've heard several callers before me say, Trudeau says it's coming. So let's move forward, get with the younger generation, because, hey, all they got to say is, what, you're willing to bet your kids or your grandkids' future on a carbon tax? Hey, we like I said, I'm numb to it at least. <laughs> I, well, I wish I was, because it's going to drive up the cost of everything. Uh, Kathleen Wynne hasn't even promised to cut income taxes or anything else. At least when Stefan Dion promised his, he said that he would cut income taxes. He he said he would cut them dramatically. Kathleen I, Wynne has promised no such thing. She just wants more of your money. And and I agree. And that's why I say, uh, if at least if this gets a few liberals that were sitting on the fence because of the conservative stance on on global warming, okay, I'm willing to trade that off. That's okay to get the Conservatives back into power, get the country back on track. $308 million. We're paying a billion dollars a month. Let's, we really need to move on with this, people. All right, Tim, thanks for the call. I have to say, I, I, I understand where Kim, Tim is coming from, but I disagree with him on that. I'm not ready to write Patrick Brown off. I'm not ready to say, hey, no one ever vote PC. Who's a sellout? No. No, I think Patrick's got a lot of great ideas, including the all-in. And I said that to him at the beginning of the interview. I said, I like this idea that it doesn't matter who you are, you got a home in the Ontario PC party. That's, that's great messaging. I'm just not sure that ceding ground to your opponents necessarily is going to work on this one. But we shall see whether I'm right or Tim's right. Time will tell. In the meantime, I'm asking you to sign the petition at nocarbontax.ca. John in Ottawa, if I can get the button on line one to work, then you're on the air. Yeah, hi. Um, uh, it's nice to talk to you, Brian. Uh, you know, I, I'm disillusioned a little bit by politics, and I'm disillusioned by politicians. And, and uh, I don't want to uh, harp on uh, – I, I, I I, I, I'm 50-odd years old. I don't remember being excited about any premier. Um, you know, and I go back away. Uh, Harris uh, said that uh, I, I sort of like Peterson, but I can't remember exactly the politics. But Harris said he he, he would do things, and he did things. And now we got and because he he did so much chaos. I mean, it was good stuff, but he created a lot of tension. And then we've had liberals ever since. And now we got a three hundred billion dollar debt. Why? Why? Can I ask you a question? Why? How old is is Patrick Brown? Uh, he is younger than me, so I'm not well, sure. Well, younger he's quite, both of us. Yeah. He, so I'm 44. Um, I'm 50. I'm 50. Uh, he, I believe he's not quite 40 yet. Right. Well, he's it seems like a. He's, he's thir- seems, 37 years old. Okay, 37 years old. He's, he's. I mean, he's got a lot going for him. Seems like a um, uh, very practical. Seems like a um, uh, reasonable person with his heart in the right direction, but he's going, he's going to inherit a debt that you would not want to take on. Would you want to take his job on? I mean, eventually, eventually the liberals will fall and the conservatives will come back in. I mean, that's the way it's always been, except for the NDP with Bob Ray. 
And the, the thing is that he's going to inherit this, or the leader of the Conservative Party is going to inherit this mess. And you have to ask yourself, is this ambition? Like he's 30-something years old. Why does he want to do this job? Is it well, because so it, he says it's because he has a desire for public service and a desire to give back. Well, he hasn't given back yet. I said he has a desire to. Yeah, well, you know, you have to ask yourself these questions, you know. I mean, how much is it just that he, this is something that he wants to do, but how much for the people of Ontario? Because would you want to take on this job after, after, uh, after the Liberals? Uh, it would be a tough job cleaning up their mess. Now, as far as running, I've been asked to run before, and so far I've always said I've always said no. Would you want to inherit this mess? No, I, I do not want the job of a politician. Well, would you want to inherit $300 billion debt? No. There, there's tough choices so to be made, to, but, no, but I don't know ask, that this is the right... You have to ask yourself about Patrick Brown. Like, John, what, you know, what's John, him? John. You know? Yeah. You, when you ask me a question, sorry. Well, this is my show, I'm sorry. I, I can just put you on hold, I but know, when I'm you ask sorry, me a I'm question, hyper. at least let me I'm give sorry. at least somewhat of an answer. I'm sorry, I'm hyper. I wouldn't want to inherit that mess, but there's tough choices to be made. I don't think a carbon tax is the right answer. I agree with you, but it, I mean, is, but who, like, is Patrick Brown the person to, to actually take that mess on? I, maybe, I would maybe say he'd be a damn sight better than Kathleen Wynne. I agree with you, and, and okay, I'll address your uh, issue. I'm sorry, Brian, I'm a little hyper. I'll address your, uh, I had road rage today, and it really threw me off. I'll address your, um, your uh, thing about carbon tax. I don't really understand it. Um, it's a little convoluted. As far as my, my basic thinking is, is that it's a tax grab. All right, thanks for the call. Okay, bye. And quickly, we'll go to Guy, the Capital Voice, because he is the man that helped us get that audio of uh, Jack Kitts from the event last night. Guy's a citizen journalist. He posted it to his YouTube page, said I could go ahead and uh, and uh, share that with the audience. He joins us now. Guy, thanks again. Well, thanks for the shout out, Brian. Um, interesting group of callers tonight. Uh, just one little reflection on the Patrick Brown situation that has, has morphed into a um, a small radical thing, I think. But uh, on regards to Bell Access, I um, talked to your predecessor about six months ago with regards to my current bill with Bell, Mo- Bell Canada, Bell Media. I have nothing uh, to do services. with that guy. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But I spent $10 a month on Bell Media, but I can't get Bell CFRA on my Bell 5. But on well, Rogers, I can get CFRA on channel 927. Okay. So I have like a $4,000 stereo system, I, and I have to listen to, to CFRA on a $13 radio. Well, so you, if you, you know what? maybe make that point to management, why does a Bell property that owns one of the most popular radio stations, and you're basically almost going to go, you're going national with all the callers you're getting from out west, why would they not offer that on a national platform that they there, own? There, there are you many, place that question? There are many people in the company that have asked that question, Guy. And as a, as a Bell 5 customer myself, yeah. I've asked oh, that are. question. Oh, you are? You're Bell 5 as well? I, yep. It is, it's a great product, and I don't say that because I work here now. I signed up for it a long time ago. But, good, good. Um, I love the You know what? Service. If um, If you're frustrated like that, and I get it, sounds like you got a smart TV. Listen either through your uh, your smartphone or or your uh, computer or your tablet, and stream it to your TV. Stream That's it through that point. stereo system; it works great. 
technology is wonderful guy. That's a great point. All right, Brian. thanks. Good, good point. Thanks for the call. We will continue to push new technology, including the podcast. Like I said, we'll have that up tonight. I messed it up last night. We'll have it up earlier tonight. We'll have it up before midnight. You'll be able to share it on Facebook, on Twitter, by email. Speaking of Facebook, go to facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Quick and easy link to that petition for the no carbon tax. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I don't know if the songs that we're playing at the intro sound familiar to you, but I know them all, so every time one of them comes on, I just want to break out into song. But since I can't carry a tune in a bucket, I'll let you be. I'm going to let your ears off easy. You only have to listen to me talk with these deep, dulcet tones. Of below. The uh, no carbon tax petition just went live a little while ago, and I'm very impressed by the response. Nocarbontax.ca if you want to join with what will inevitably be thousands upon thousands of great Ontarians signing on to that. Um, but during the break, you remember earlier in the show we had on Mark Tapson? He's the editor in chief of Truth Revolt. That's where I write about American politics. And uh, one of the stories that's up on uh, truthful right now is by my friend Trey Sanchez, and it says WAPO, that's the Washington Post, helps determine which country to move to if Trump is elected. So I click through to the Washington Post story, and, and they've just got this this thing, you know, what do you uh, want to flee the United States if Don- or why do you want to flee the United States if Donald Trump is elected? And you click on them. And so if you click on you like the idea of people being politically correct or rather not uh, offending each other. Then Canada comes up in a picture of a smiling Justin Trudeau. You click on, you find his, uh, course, uh, his uh, course behavior obnoxious. It's Bhutan, and apparently you're not allowed to, no one's allowed to be obnoxious, so I'm, I'm not moving to Bhutan. But I am thinking of moving to Iceland because if you click on, you think he's a misogynist and you want a country that appreciates having women in charge, then Iceland comes up. Now, I'm not thinking of moving to Iceland because I fear a Trump presidency. If Trump wins, Trump wins. He's just not the guy I prefer. Um, and as I've said, my left shoe would be better than Hillary Clinton. My left shoe would be better than Barack Obama. But if you click on, you think he's a misogynist and you want a country that appreciates having women in charge, Iceland comes up in a picture of the most amazing spa scene I've ever uh, witnessed. Um, obviously, it uh, is cold out in this picture. Uh, but there's people bathing in these hot springs, and it maybe it's late, and I'm tired, and that just looks really good right now. So, hey, everyone, Reykjavik, here I come, but not because I fear Donald Trump. The primaries are going on right now, uh, four different primaries. The headline on CNN right now is Trump wins Michigan. Uh, let's click through to the, the full results. Uh, In Michigan, they only have about 42% of the vote in, but he's at 37%. To the next closest person is John Kasich at 25. Uh, This is one of the best results for Kasich. He has not had, he's the governor of Ohio, he has not had a strong national campaign. He's tended to focus in on states close to Ohio, um, 
I don't want to say Midwestern states because I don't think Michigan qualifies as Midwestern, but those middle America states that would be close to to his that have similar demographics, um, similar problems. And so Kasich spent a lot of time and money in Michigan. And while he's done, you know, 7.6% in Mississippi, he's second at 25.6% in Michigan. Cruz is at 23.7%. Now, as for delegate count, right now, there's 59 delegates up for grabs. Right now, Trump would uh, would have 23 pledged delegates, Kasich 16. That doesn't matter because he's not going to the convention. Uh, And Cruz, 14. So Cruz would be... uh, um, from this, you would have Trump gaining nine more delegates, nine more ahead of of Cruz. Uh, on the um, on the other side, um, you've got Mississippi. Clinton is up to eighty three point four percent of the vote, but with fifty one percent of the vote counted in Michigan, Democratic voters in Michigan are backing the socialist. That's right. Apparently, a lot of them saw the movie Up. They liked it. They want to fly away in a balloon to a la-la land with Bernie Sanders and live off other people's money. It works, kids. Socialism works. You know it does. Worked great in Cuba, didn't it? Worked great in Venezuela. But Sanders is an admitted socialist, and he is winning on the Democratic side in Michigan. This is what is being dubbed as Super Tuesday 2 The Democrats only have two states, but the Republicans, in addition to Mississippi, which Trump is winning, and Michigan, which Trump is winning, we've got Idaho and Hawaii. He's likely going to sweep all four of them. Delegate count total right now, 429 for Trump, 317 for Cruz, 154 for Rubio. Nobody else matters. You need 1,237 to win the Republican primary. And unlike the Democrats, they don't have that crooked superdelegate count. So this is a sprint to the finish. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about American politics a lot over the next while because while Canadians like to say, I don't want to talk about it, we're obsessed with it. None of us can stop talking about Donald Trump and what's happening down there. I'm just going to occasionally shine a bit of light on the two crazy people running for the Democrat side. Hope you enjoyed tonight's show. We'll catch you again tomorrow, maybe even earlier than you think. And of course, tune in on the app, download the podcast, share it on Facebook, tweet it out, spread the word. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, News Talk Radio 580 CFRA.